0: Hi everyone, this is Sarah from The Journey and welcome to another episode of My Journey where we delve into the individual stories behind many of the issues that are faced by parents and parents-to-be. Now, today's is a bit of a hard hitter, but don't worry, it has a really, really positive message. Today's is all about preterm birth, something that is unfortunately on the rise globally. Now, the reality is, is we don't quite know all the reasons as to why this is happening, but the good news is, Given the advances in technology, many, many babies are actually coming out absolutely healthy on the other side. And today's guest is no exception. Now, Rosie Fawimi is going to share her story about her son, Rudy, being born at just 32 weeks. Now, the good news is she has a healthy and thriving little boy, but she's going to be sharing with us some of the things that helped on her journey, some of the things that hurt and actually what it's like to really really be um, giving birth at such an early point. So we really hope this helps somebody um, or anyone out there who is either concerned or who's had a history of it or who just wants to be prepared and realise that actually it's not all doom and gloom. So without further ado, over to Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So um, you are mum to a beautiful little baby boy, uh, Rudy, and but, well, I should say (laughs) but rather than and. Your path um, to Rudy coming into the world wasn't entirely straightforward. Um, I believe he's premature. And obviously, as you know, this is something that is, on the rise globally um obviously there are so many reasons behind this it's very complex and Mm. we definitely still don't understand all of it but we'd love you to share your journey you know what was the build-up like how was your pregnancy and what actually happened what it was like so maybe just start off and tell us a little bit about your pregnancy
1: um okay so i fell pregnant really quickly which was very lucky um my pregnancy was plain sailing um I didn't have any sickness I enjoyed being pregnant I loved it actually um apart from the tiredness at the very beginning it was like the perfect perfect pregnancy um and I'd just been on holiday I was given the okay by the doctors and that was when I was 30 weeks and I came home um Again, everything seemed normal. I just started working that week because I was doing maternity modelling because my bump had just finally got big enough. I think I worked three days that week, but it wasn't, you know, strenuous work. It was, you know, lovely, relaxing days, getting ready to be a new mum. And then um, on the Thursday night, I went to bed as normal and I woke up about five o'clock in the morning I'd already been to the toilet a couple of times that night as you do and um, I kind of like I felt a trickle down my leg but I wasn't sure if I'd like wet myself because a lot of people say as your bump gets bigger there's pressure on your bladder so I I just kind of stood there for a while trying to figure it out Um, And I thought that something wasn't right. So I said to my partner, I think my waters might have broke. Maybe we should call the midwife. And Charlie was like, no, no, you know, because it wasn't like in a film where it goes gushing out. Um, But I called the midwife and they said to come straight to the hospital so that they could examine me. So at that point, I wasn't. I wasn't convinced, I wasn't actually sure if my waters had broke or not. So we kind of took our time, both had a shower, got ready, went to the hospital. Um, And then as soon as I got there, they confirmed that my waters had broke. And it was literally from that moment that everything went really, really quickly.
0: Can I just ask, did you have any pain or any other warning or it was literally just this trickle that happened no I
1: had no no warning no pain nothing it was just a complete surprise
0: and all your scans and all the kind of genetic testing had all been completely normal to that point
1: yes everything had been completely normal and I just had my 3d scan at 30 weeks because I, you know, I think the one you have before in the NHS is at 20 weeks, which is halfway through. And I just thought, oh, let's have another scan, um, because it's quite a long time to wait. And, yeah, so I'd had my 3D scan, like, two weeks before, and everything was normal.
0: Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, so this happened without any warning whatsoever. So then you're in hospital, and... Um, they confirm that you've gone into labour. And, and what then happened next? You said it went very quickly. And, and also, what did they say to you about the fact that, you know, you were only kind of 30, 31 weeks? Had, did they talk to you about the process or was it just going with it at
1: um, that point? So when they told me, I just burst into tears because I didn't know kind of what – I was terrified. I didn't know what that meant, if I was losing the baby or – I really had no idea. I had never envisioned this happening to me in a million years. Like, my sister's got two kids. They were full-term, me and my sister were full-term. Um, for some reason, I thought the baby was going to be late and arrive on my nan's birthday. Um, so I just never, ever imagined anything like this happening to me. Um, and like I said, it all happened really quickly. So I think within, like, five minutes... I was on um, the bed and I had an exam, internal examination. I was given an injection in my bottom for, um, it was the first set of steroid injections. So they basically explained that the best thing, best case scenario is that we keep the baby in for another 48 hours so that I get a chance to have these two steroids and for them to take effect... So, and the steroids were for lung development. Yes, that right? was for the lung development. Um, and that, so that made it all seem really scary and, you know, like, worrying. Uh-huh. But I didn't know what was happening. They were saying this is the best case scenario. Um, oh, wow. And then what I was, I was also given um, some antibiotics as well in case I had an infection or to prevent an infection because that's very likely once your waters have broken. Um, And then I was given, taken to a room and the paediatric nurses came to speak to me to tell me what would happen um, if and when Rudy, I didn't know Rudy was a boy then, or if and when the baby comes, that um, it would be taken straight to the special care baby unit, which again, just was really, really scary. Because at that yeah. point, I realized that if I had the baby now, it wasn't going to be able to come home with me. So yeah, um, yeah it was you know just a lot of information to take in it really quickly. Um,
0: yeah, I suppose it must have been insanely overwhelming, not to mention just scary, and you're in a blur anyway. Um, Did you find that there was anything that anyone said to you at that point that made you feel better or worse? Or was it just all of it was just such a blur at that point?
1: Um, At that point, I didn't... At that point, I was just really terrified for the baby. I was just really, really worried that something was either wrong with it or that I was going to lose it. But I was given a scan as well and put on a monitor which they were checking every three hours. Um, and that was quite reassuring because they were telling me the baby's heartbeat's fine and the baby's still moving. So, you know, you've got a happy active baby. But the movements in my belly had changed because the, my waters had broken um, and they continue to, the water continues to come out once your water's broken weirdly because the sac is open or the fluid that you take in keeps coming out um but they also said to me that there is a chance you know your waters are broken and the baby might stay in for a week or two or you could even go full term but we will um we would induce you at 37 weeks because there is no point in keeping this baby in any longer um, due to risk of infection, now that your waters have broken, so that was quite optimistic because they were saying you know the baby might not come yet, um, but that was short-lived because within a couple of hours my contractions had started, which I couldn't actually feel yet, but they were showing on the monitor. So oh, wow. yeah, at this point they gave me a tablet. Which was to um, stop my contractions and to try and keep the baby in for the forty-eight hours, um, and that worked. Once the once the tablet took effect, my contractions just went away. So wow, that's pretty effective. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then that night was pretty bad. I was taken out of the um, private room and taken up to the pregnancy the labor ward um it's called the mulberry ward in the hospital where i was but basically i was on a ward with you know my own bed and then curtains separating but because this ward was so busy that night women were in full active labor and i was trying to sleep and rest and keep the baby in um and it was just awful. I just didn't sleep at all. I was just scared, worried. I've never stayed in a hospital ever before. That was the first night and I was on my own. Um, and it was just, just not a good experience at all. Um, it sounds pretty horrendous. I yeah. Heard. So then the next morning, I was told, I was hoping that I would be allowed home. But they said they wanted to keep me in for one more night. Um, and then that. And that was still on the labor ward? That was still was it? on the labor ward, yes. So it's the labor ward and also um, mothers that have just recovered and given birth that are there with their babies as well. So it was a bit, I don't know, mixed feelings about that situation. Yep. You know, there's nothing they could do, and the hospital were amazing, but it wasn't ideal. <laughs> put it that no, way I can imagine um and so after that point then what happened it was the same thing that day they were just monitoring me and um I felt way more relaxed and optimistic I remember going to bed that night and I my boyfriend had to, um, bought me an eye mask and like sleep spray and my mama bought me my own blanket and i was actually really happy <laughs> and the midwives were lovely and they were monitoring me all the time and i f- i felt like the baby was going to just stay put i also put on my instagram that night because i've got a mummy blog and had shared most of my pregnancy um on my instagram and my blog and to this, up until that point, I hadn't said anything about what I was going through or posted. And I, I felt like I needed to be honest, but also I really wanted to hear from somebody that had gone through anything similar to kind of give me an idea of what, what I was going through and what could happen. Um, And I had so much amazing feedback, and so many people that had said to me they were premature babies themselves, which I had no idea about up until that point. I never, I didn't think I knew anybody that had had a premature baby or was a premature baby. So that was really optimistic, and that made me feel so much more positive. And I just went to bed that night quite happy. And so it was
0: more knowing that people had been through the experience and it wasn't this absolute disaster and it wasn't, you know, necessarily doom and gloom that really helped you. Yeah,
1: and just that they were now, you know, fine, healthy adults and that it wasn't I'd done the thing you shouldn't do as well. The day before, obviously when my waters broke, I started googling like I know, no. I know <laughs> I know. <laughs> um Yeah, I started Googling and that scared the life out of me. So hearing people's positive experiences um, completely flipped how I felt about it.
0: You know what? The the funny slash not funny thing is is frankly you can stub your toe and you can put that into Google and it will tell you that there's imminent there. so I can only imagine what you read and yeah you went through. And that must have been absolutely terrifying. It's interesting because we had um Claire Holt on and she talked about her experience of miscarriage and actually one of the things she did was to share her own experience because she wanted to feel that other people had had that experience and had come out okay the other side and I think that you know that's also why we're really grateful to you sharing your story because you know sometimes the internet is full of scary things and actually sometimes you just want to hear that you know what, it doesn't necessarily always mean doom and gloom. A hundred percent. I can totally
1: understand. Yeah.
0: So so, you went, so you, you went to bed and you felt okay, you felt yeah. optimistic. And, and then what And happened? then
1: I woke up about four o'clock in the morning and I just had a really dull pain in my lower back and I just knew this was it, that the baby was coming. So I got out of my bed and found one of the midwives and asked if I could go back on the monitor. And at this point, they were, um, they were putting me on the monitor every three hours, which I felt was way too long, because anything could happen in that time. And because I couldn't feel the movements as well. I just panicked. So I basically begged to go back on the monitor and I was put on the monitor and they confirmed that my contractions had started, but they were far apart and it was going to be quite a long time.
0: Well, do you know, that's also really interesting in and of itself is trusting your own gut instinct and not being afraid to stand up for yourself and nobody knows your own body better than yourself. so. I think that's really, really brave and an important thing. And I think it's a good reminder for anyone that, you know, you've got to speak up in situations like this, not be afraid to fight. Yeah, and
1: because you've never been through this before, you've never felt this. And up until my waters broke, I thought everything was fine. So now, them just telling me everything was fine wasn't enough. Like, I needed the reassurance of the monitor. Um, So, yeah, I'm glad that. I I was put back on and they could see that I was right and I was having contractions and stuff like that. Um, But then I went to sleep. I wanted to just relax and not have any bother. I didn't want to tell my family yet. I just really wanted to relax and go back to sleep. So I didn't even tell Charlie at this point who was at home. He wasn't allowed to stay at the hospital. Okay, so your monitor's
0: now on and the contractions are quite far apart and you wanted to get some rest. Um, So did you manage to actually get some sleep?
1: Yes, I did. I managed to sleep until about 6am. And at that point, I called Charlie and told him what was happening but said to stay at home um, for a little while longer and then I'll call you in a couple of hours when to come, Um, and I just slept some more, I managed to have some breakfast, um, and then Charlie arrived around half past nine. And at that point, my contractions had started getting quicker and more painful. But it wasn't until 11 o'clock that I was examined um, and then I was taken down to the labour ward. Um, I was going to say, and- did,
0: did, at any point during this time, did a doctor come in and say to you, right, here's what the situation is, here's what stage you're at, here's what we're going to do? Did anyone kind of come and explain the kind of process to you
1: um not really the day before i had met the pediatric doctors and nurses and they had told me what would happen in terms of the baby um but no they they just said that i would be taken downstairs um and obviously i would have to have a um i don't even know how to explain it i was i wanted to have a water birth i'd been booked on a hypnobirthing retreat and in the Isle of Wight which I didn't make because um I went into labor early but I was basically I needed to have a birth where the doctors and nurses you know could get to me quite quickly um so that wasn't my ideal scenario but I just wanted the baby out safely I didn't really care what happened I was quite concerned that I thought it would be safer for me to have a cesarean I don't know why I just had that idea in my head because I was going to have a small baby that could potentially have something wrong Um, I thought that it would be the safest option but they assured me that a, a normal delivery um a vaginal delivery is the best option so I just had to trust with what they were saying
0: yeah I was gonna say I was gonna actually ask you if they recommended a cesarean but at any point as well did did they suggest why this was happening because obviously as you said you were concerned that there was something wrong with the baby did did anyone come to you and say hey you know what these may be the reasons um here's what we think? Or was it just, right, this is what we've got, so we're just going to deal with
1: it? Yeah, no, at that point, they, they had no idea. And they just said that these things sometimes happen. Um, you know, for them, they were quite, especially I found through the delivery, the midwife is in and out. And, you know, it was more Charlie taking care of me, during all of those hours because they know what's going on they I was just another person another delivery another pretend baby to them and they they weren't that concerned I guess they see it all day every day um but for me it was really worrying because I never I've never been through anything like this and I didn't know what was happening yeah
0: that's actually like a really important point I think You know, and in fact, funnily enough, this is what came up on the miscarriage podcast we did as well is that Claire, who was sharing her story, was told about her miscarriage as if it was just, you know, a run of the mill everyday thing, which obviously, unfortunately, with preterm birth and miscarriage, it does happen. Um, But sometimes I think medical professionals, and not all of them, some of them are truly amazing, you know, it's because it's kind of an everyday occurrence, or maybe not quite. They breeze past it, and that's why it's so important for someone like you to share your story. Because you know, for the person who's going through it, yes, yeah. it's, it's everything. It's like their yeah. entire life. So I, I'm not surprised to hear that that was, you know, your experience.
1: And you're so scared. I was so scared that I honestly couldn't. I couldn't see me leaving the hospital with a baby. I know that sounds so horrible and weird but I just didn't want to let myself get really excited or think about that because I, di- I didn't know what was happening.
0: Yeah it's totally understandable. So at 11am um, you get examined and then what
1: happens after that? Um, then I went downstairs to the delivery ward. I was given my room and um the beginning of my labour I started with the TENS machine um yeah which I thought was quite distracts you <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't it wasn't good enough for long enough <laughs> mm-hmm. um but also I I also had an Evian spray that a friend gave me. And that was the best thing ever. I have recommended that to everybody. Wow. Um, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, and I just decided that I didn't want to... I wanted to try and have as natural labour as I could for as long as possible. I was trying to hold out. Again, because I knew the baby was going to be small and maybe something wrong with it, I was just really terrified to have something like an epidural, which I was all for before this happened. Um, But because Rudy was gonna be small, I was worried that I'd have to have an intervention and he'd have a tiny head. And I don't know why, I was just really frightened. So I tried to go for as long as possible as I could. And then the pain was just too bad. And then I started on gas and air, I think around seven centimeters. Um, and my labour was quite long, I guess it started at 4am, 4 or 5am and then Rudy was born at 7pm um, in the evening so it was like the full day. Wow, that's intense and you only
0: had gas and air the whole time did you?
1: Yes I did but the last, wow. the last couple of hours I was begging for anything and anything everything but by then it was too late.
0: Yeah, so did, did you actually have a discussion with anyone about an epidural and what the risks were, given that Rudy was premature? Or was that just something that you made up in your mind that you were determined to just be as natural as possible to kind of um, give him, you know, a helping hand?
1: No, I don't. Um, I don't recall ever having a conversation about that, actually. I think it was just something that I had decided in my head.
0: Well I mean very brave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And so
0: what happened when he was born? Um, I presume he was relatively quickly rushed off.
1: Yes so during my labour I had a lovely midwife called Joanna um, but like I said she was in and out. Um, At one point hours before Rudy actually came I thought I was ready to push but she knew that I wasn't um and then she was kind of sat outside of the room um for a lot of it and then Charlie was just with me spraying me down with (laughs) Evianne and then once things got going I I said again I think I'm ready to push and she came and examined me and I was and then within two seconds I would say I think I had six people in the room whilst delivering Rudy because the midwife couldn't actually deliver him. I had a doctor. Then I had the paediatric nurses. Um, So I think there was two paediatric nurses, her, the doctor, me, Charlie. So there was the six of us, which wasn't what I had envisaged, you know, my birth to be like, but... It was fine because I needed all of those people there to make sure that I had a safe delivery. Um, And I was just really concentrating and listening to what they were saying because it was so important for me to just get the baby out safely. Um, And when Rudy was born, he was breathing and crying straight away which was amazing they told me Um, so Rudy never ever had oxygen support which is really remarkable Um, and yeah he, he was born they quickly took him to the side did a few examinations they kind of held him up to me I wasn't allowed to hold him and then he was whisked away Um, And Charlie followed. So, yeah, I only saw him for a couple of seconds, which was...
0: My goodness. Yeah. How did that make you feel? That must have been just, uh, uh, given what you'd been through and then not even be able to hold your baby, that must have been incredibly tough.
1: Yeah, it was really tough. And it's just, it's like it's not real still. Um, What happened, because you don't imagine that it would happen to you, and um yeah it was just I don't know it was just really upsetting because then I was on on my own in the room as well I didn't have any other family there during my labor so um yeah it I I was kind of I knew that he I just wanted to I just wanted him to be born and then know everything was okay and then yeah. I I did feel kind of relief once he was born that okay we're we're all right, um, and you'd heard him cry yeah and he was and and himself. also oh no that was shortly after shortly after Charlie sent me a picture of him and um, he was put straight in an incubator with a little eye mask on this is the first oh. kind, this is the first thing I really remember because when he was born is a blur still but the picture was just him and he had loads of wires on him and a little eye mask um and I was told his weight which was four pounds eight which I was so happy about and yeah they said that that was an unbelievable weight for a baby born he was born at 32 weeks five days um so that was really good because you know some full-term babies are born six pounds or less so well, yeah was he was a big boy my, boy. my son was born six pounds
0: and he was full term so yes that's pretty impressive
1: yeah and also it just was so good that we had got to the hospital when we did and we were able to have the steroid injections because I think that played a massive part in the development of his lungs and him being able to breathe on his own
0: yeah absolutely so again again it just comes back to you know following your instinct which Mm you obviously did really well because sometimes you know I think we can second guess ourselves but I think it's always better to be safe than sorry and I remember when you know I was pregnant, they said, look, no one minds if you go in and it's a false alarm. It's much better just to be safe in these circumstances. So it sounds like it's a really good thing that that's what happened for you.
1: Yeah, 100%. And also, I'd say that, you know, I was lucky that it happened the way round that it did, that my waters broke first, because some people, you know, get aches and pains and things, and they just assume it's Braxton Hicks, or, you know, you know, just something, just some pains. But I would always say now, if you ever do have something like that, just go and get yourself checked, they really don't mind. Um, And it is best, like you said, to be safe than sorry. Absolutely.
0: Now, um, when Rudy was in the um, neonatal intensive care unit, what happened? Were you allowed to go in? Were you, did you, were you allowed to kind of express milk? Were you allowed to kind of go in and, and touch him at all? What was, what was the kind of procedure around that?
1: Um, so I stayed downstairs to recover for a couple of hours and then I was taken back up to the ward, the Mulberry ward, where I'd spent my first two nights in the hospital. Um and it was I had to have some checks. It was a couple of hours before I could see Rudy. I think it was about eleven thirty PM um so about four and a half hours. And then I went to see him and I wasn't allowed to hold him or anything that night because he was in the incubator for jaundice and also on a drip of antibiotics in case he had an infection. Um, So yeah, I was just able to look at him that evening, which was heartbreaking because you just wanna hold your baby. Um, But at the same time, I don't know why, from the moment he was born, I just knew he was gonna be okay. I just, wow, yeah, okay. I, I did, I just knew that he was going to be, I mean, I never felt like we were completely out of the woods until he came home, but I did feel really positive.
0: And what would you say, like, during those kind of, you know, few hours, or, you know, when you went to see him in the neonatal intensive care unit, was there anything that really helped you? Was it speaking to people? Was it... Or was it literally just being able to see for yourself that he was doing okay?
1: Um, No, the the nurses that were looking after Rudy, uh, they were just remarkable. Every single person that I came into contact with, who he came into contact with, which was a lot of staff because they... um, change over all the time and as he got better and better he moved into a different room and then there was different nurses looking after him and stuff but every single person that looked after Rudy was so reassuring to me so like loving and genuinely just they were amazing. They reassured me and they were always keeping me up to date with what's going on, what he's been doing, what he's have, had to feed, what our next step is. And basically, they told me from the off that Rudy was doing really well um, because of his lungs. And he was just in there to grow and go home. That's how they called it.
0: Oh, Amazing. Well, thank God again for those steroid injections. Yeah. And I know that um, it, depending on how premature a baby is, sometimes they encourage mothers to express breast milk. Sometimes they don't. And I know it's very, very individual. Mm-hmm. What did they advise you and how did you feel about it?
1: Um, some Prior to, I wasn't sure that I was going to breastfeed because I just, didn't know if it was going to be for me I had I wasn't going to put any pressure on myself but when Rudy was born someone came to speak to me um the following morning and the lady showed me about expressing my colostrum into a little syringe and I started doing that straight away um and I was actually discharged that morning so Rudy was born at seven pm and the following day um, about midday, I had my checkup and was discharged, which meant that I was going to have to travel back and forth to the hospital because I couldn't stay there with him so that was oh, um, wow. i didn't know that prior to to me being in that situation. I just assumed that I was going to be staying there um, i didn't even ask the But you can't. They just don't have the space. So from then, I just was, um, yeah, spending every minute of every day there until I had to go home in the evening. And then I would express, express um, all the little droplets of colostrum and take them in the next morning. And um, they started feeding that to Rudy through the drip with some cow. Yeah, with some cow and gay um, formula, which they asked if that was okay, but of course it was fine because my milk had not come in. So I was just going with whatever they suggested. And then by day three, my milk came in and I was just pumping every three hours when I was there, when I was at home and taking the milk in. And it was, I think it was only a couple of days till I'd had enough milk. And then he was completely off the town and gate and I had enough supply.
0: Oh, wow. So they, they could then um, feed his
1: feed your milk to, to him. A, uh, yeah. Directly. And there was a lovely, lovely um, breastfeeding lady there who was in charge. And she taught me how to use the pump and she taught me how to sterilize the um, equipment and everything like that. So it was really I learned so much there before he came home. It was incredible, really.
0: Wow, it sounds phenomenal that you were able to do that and such a gift to him, you know, to be able to give that very first milk and I'm sure it would have really helped him out. And it's not an easy thing to do, to be pumping. I know anyone that's had a kid themselves knows that it's it's definitely not super easy and straightforward. So that's phenomenal that you managed to do that. Yeah,
1: So um, I did feel like I put a pressure on myself to do that because he was premature and because he was in hospital being looked after really uh, by other people, although I was there, I wasn't, you know, doing all of the things and the checks and everything that they were to keep him safe. So it just kind of felt like, I felt like I had to do that and I wanted to do that for him.
0: Yeah but still that's like an awful lot you know you've gone through a pretty traumatic experience and to kind of be able to get up every day do that and be dedicated that's pretty amazing because it must have been the whole process although it must have been you know operating in a bit of a blur for you must have been incredibly stressful even though he was getting better you know it's not Anyone's dream labor and birth story, really, and so it's incredible that you managed to do that. And so, how long was he in the intensive care for before he came out? Um, So
1: Rudy was in an incubator for exactly a week, and then on Father's Day he came out and he moved into the next room, which was an open cot, Um, and he spent twenty days in hospital in total before he came home
0: wow And, and one question is when you look at the kind of end of the 20 days and you think about all the conversations and all the amazing people that you met and all the things that they obviously did to help rudy get you know develop. Is there anything that really stood out to you that you think really helped either your mental state or Rudy's development or anything that if someone else was kind of going through this same process and were stuck in a hospital and really willing their baby to kind of develop that you think would be useful to know?
1: Um, to be honest, for me, the whole experience was so much better because of my family and the nurses looking after rudy they really got me through it because um like my dad for instance he came to the hospital every single day to visit me and at the time i thought it was to visit rudy check he was okay but he knew rudy was going to be okay he just had a feeling he knew he was in the best hands but it was to support me and check in that I was doing okay, sometimes he was there for literally a minute, and he would drive at the weekend from Brighton every day, and it was just having those people around, being positive, that pulled me through, in hindsight, Um, and yeah, I just, you know, with everything that's going on at the moment, with the coronavirus, I just can't imagine what people are going through right now anyone in the situation that yeah. I I was in and you know this does happen every single day it's just must be so challenging and and you know it does have long lasting effects I haven't really spoken about this or thought about Rudy's this whole thing for quite a long time I always go back and look at pictures yeah. of him but it it was really traumatic and I did do well mentally I've been fine but I know that that is only because I have my family pulling me through. Well that's what I was going to say do you think because this is
0: one thing that has been actually researched is you know the kind of traumatic effect that it has on the parents and you know how you can support the parents because actually funnily enough the better supported the parents are and the more relaxed they can be the better it is for the baby so would you say kind of talking about it with your family and accepting help and accepting people coming and giving you a hand even if it's just by being present would you say that's something you'd encourage others yeah I'd say
1: 100% you do need a hand for me it wasn't um you know when Rudy came home I didn't want help with Rudy I I wanted I was kind of um maybe a bit too protective of him actually, when he first came out, like with the washing of hands and germs and people touching him and stuff like that, because of how he came into the world and because of all of those things in hospital that are put in place, like you have to wash your hands all the time and they don't want people touching the baby. Like my mum and dad and stuff, they weren't allowed to pick up Rudy in the hospital. Um, So, I well, it's yeah, understandable. But I just feel need like support that. With, um, you know, like literally things like cooking and people being around you to just help do anything, those jobs, so you can just concentrate on the baby. That's definitely, yeah, I would advise anybody to just take help in whichever way you need it.
0: Well, that's interesting that you say that because actually I was um, reading on a forum some support for and recommendations for how to help people who are going through premature birth. And actually, it seemed that the number one way that other people can help support is by doing things like that, bringing people food. Um, bring them a change of clothes if they're at the hospital. Bring yeah. them, just supporting the parents, because actually the reality is, is the doctors and nurses, at the time, if you're in hospital, are the ones who are looking after your baby. And actually, I think it cannot be underestimated the impact mm. that has on the parents. And trying to do what we can to support those people is, is you know, definitely a positive thing that other people can do who are not directly yeah. kind of impacted. So did um, did anyone talk to you and, and I'm sure you thought about it, you know, and, and you said it's a long process yourself. When you left the hospital, did anyone talk to you about milestones, things to look for, things that could help Rudy's development? Um, or, you know, how did you approach things once you'd actually left? Um, the hospital?
1: Well, I was quite scared to leave the hospital because I was just used to him being on those monitors for since the day we arrived at hospital um, till the day, the day before he came home. Um, and I'd kind of just relied on them. I looked at them all the time, was listening to his heartbeat. You know, if anything changed, I was like, what's that? Is he okay? And I didn't know how I was going to feel bringing him home and not having that security. But they reassured me and said, yeah. you know, you, you will get used to that quite quickly don't worry too much and they also have a really good thing in place at the hospital where rudy was born um and that is two days prior to being discharged um we had to stay there as a family this was the first time that rudy came off of his feeding tube because obviously although i was breastfeeding him during the day every single day at night time, I wasn't allowed to be there, so he was still tube fed through the night. So they had to make sure that I could feed him for two days and that his weight stayed the same, um, and just that we could cope as a family. So that was really good, and that was, you know, amazing practice, but also really reassuring that I had support there as well. Um, and I That's also fantastic. used that opportunity yeah. I knew that we would maybe want to use a bottle as well and so I I thought that we might want to express and Charlie feed Rudy and also um for work purposes when eventually I got to work I would I would need um to use a bottle as well but Although things like that, you know, I've got nephews and that seems like an easy thing, giving a baby a bottle. When it's your own and they're tiny and, you know, this whole thing has happened, I didn't feel like I knew how to do it. I didn't feel like I knew how to sterilize it. And they went through all of that with me as well over those two days. So they they were there when I gave Rudy his first bottle of expressed milk as well. So that was just a really great experience. And I left feeling like I knew what I was doing a bit. (laughs)
0: Wow, that's, that's, uh, it sounds like you had some unbelievable care. And and I can understand completely, given the kind of what you've been through, that it would be a super, super anxious time, um, you know, making that change and going back home. Did you have to have specialist follow up appointments to kind of check his development after that once you've got home, or was it pretty much then okay he's fine
1: um, off you go yeah they were they were pretty much like Rudy is fine now, off you go um and the only follow up appointments I had i had let me think, he was born in June, one in December. So he only had one follow-up appointment booked in and he was about, I think he was about five, six months old. And the doctor said that Rudy was absolutely fine and he was meeting, they give him targets, but they still said two months um, corrected age. So if I say Rudy seven months, they would say five months corrected. Always assume up until about a year old that he would be um, catching up. Um, okay, and did you find that to be the case in? Um, no, not now, not at all. He's crawling, um, and he crawled at nine months. He's yeah, no, I oh, don't wow. think so at all. I think he was always just like quite a strong baby, and I don't think developmentally he's behind he's maybe just a tiny bit smaller than he's got two little friends that I compare him against um and he's maybe a tiny bit smaller in height but actually developmentally he's he's even in front in something so no Wow, that's
0: that's so unbelievably reassuring and I think that you know it just goes to show that you know that if you look at Google, if you look at the internet about premature babies, those are kind of average numbers, but that does not necessarily mean that it's going to be the case. And every baby is individual. Um, And I think that's a really important thing to remember now at any point, you know, obviously during the process or following, did anyone say, look, here may have been the reason why it happened. Um, Is it something that you dug into or Is it just,
1: you know, it could be a
0: combination of factors. So once
1: um, Rudy was born, they took the placenta to be tested to see if there was a reason. And um, it came back, the results, with my placenta showed an acute infection. they, Yeah, I was going to say infection is typically
0: the number one cause, but there can be a lot of other factors, right? So
1: when I did... when I asked them what that meant and they explained it to me before I was discharged, they basically said, it shows an infection, but we can't distinguish whether the infection came after your waters broke because that's really common or your waters broke because you already had an infection. So really we're none the wiser as to which way round it happened. Um, and uh, you know, I have asked questions like, "Would this happen again?" Because that scares the life out of me. We were really lucky that Rudy is, you know, perfect now, and that he was a healthy way, and he, you know, everything was has turned out fine. But you know, ideally, I wouldn't want to have another premature baby. I'd love for my pregnancy to go full term, but you just never know.
0: Yeah that's the reality and and unfortunately as we've, we've been saying there are there can be so many different reasons why it happens some that are obvious you know if you have a severe infection then that's a very very obvious cause but there are a lot of times where there is no very obvious cause and it can be a number of factors but have, have is there been anything that you've read about or you've got a gut instinct for, or do you just think, you know what, I think I'm just going to go for it again next time and just um, hope for the best? To
1: be honest, I haven't really delved into it too much because I haven't really wanted to think about, like worry about that happening again just yet. Yeah. There are a few things, I mean, this could sound really silly, that I that happened that week that I think, oh, maybe did that... Did that do it? Like, I went swimming in my local um, leisure centre outdoor pool um, that maybe isn't the most hygienic. I thought, could that have given me an infection? But they've said, you know, that wouldn't happen. Um, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, probably not very likely. I overthink everything. Think, what did I do? Did I yeah. do something? Of um, course. I also had... Have...
0: Well, it was unlikely to be anything you did. Yeah, that's 16, what they say. I can um, understand. But now
1: that week as well I'd been at my mum's having lunch and I carried um like a heavy pot a tagine pot I didn't realize how heavy it was until I was already holding it and even then I remember thinking oh that like my stomach pulled a little bit um and I wasn't that conscious you know when I was pregnant when they say you know don't carry heavy things like I was still doing my shopping and stuff like that but next time I won't do any of those things like I
0: will follow the rules you know. well that that being said, you know, know a lot of people still work out and lift weights, and so i i I think Was the it? reality is it probably wasn't anything you did, but I can understand that you know um, you would want to err on the side of caution, but I think the majority of uh, the kind of science says that unless you do something mm. completely out there it isn't going to be anything that you did. And sometimes, you know, may it be an infection that can just happen or it can be so many other reasons. Um, But I think, you know, it is something that science is still really grappling with. It is happening more and it is still an area that frankly, we don't understand fully. And it is an area which is also very individual and it's often not one thing. It can be lots of different things acting together. But I think, you know, the main thing on your in your case is that even though he was born at 32 and a half weeks he Mm -hmm. and I've seen him myself he is just a perfect little boy and he is um he's doing extremely well so I I think that this should give people hope that you know science has come on so much and the ability that we have to care for premature babies is just phenomenal um and I think even though premature birth is happening more we're so much better equipped to deal with it and a lot of the times, babies are absolutely fine, um, even though it's a traumatic experience to go through. So I think, you know, hopefully yeah, people definitely. can take some and from this. Yeah, definitely. the
1: hospitals, they really do know what they're doing and they are in the best care. Um, even though it, it's heartbreaking leaving them and not being there, they are in the best possible place they can be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's testament mm-hmm. to... Uh, to them and also to you that he's uh, he's done so well so <laughs> well done you even though it was a hard experience you've got still got a lovely little boy at the end of it so thank you so much Rosie for sharing your story because it must be hard to kind of relive this because it's not an easy situation but you know it's I really hope that people can take some comfort and Realize again that we always remind ourselves, that yeah, to Google. Uh, usually <laughs> says terrible, no, words, and they're not always not. true. Um, and good, 100%. good things can come, and um, thank you so much for for sharing this. It's thank been you for having great me. To
1: and um, it's been nice to kind of relive it and see how far that you know we've come in 10 months. It's crazy, like, Rudy is a perfect baby, and you'd, you'd never know, never no no totally not
0: (laughs) I remember when I first met yeah I know it's crazy it really is so yeah well thank you again so much for sharing your story and we hope this gives lots of people out there hope thank you bye all right thanks Rosie